Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. So great to have you with us, together with so many uh, Christians, patriots from across the country, and friends from around the world. Uh, I want to uh, tell you how excited I am tonight that we, we have a guest uh, who is an expert in uh, constitutional law, in uh, judicial policy, and also in nonprofit coalition building. And uh, he is someone that many of you who follow the developments, especially in the judicial uh, life of our nation and the judicial angles of the various battles we are involved in for America will certainly recognize. He's the president of the Judicial Action Group. He is Philip Jeregi, and uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him, but let me bring him on right now before we do our scripture and our prayer. Philip, welcome to the program. Thank you, Father Pavone. It's an honor to be with you. Well, I am so glad to be with you. You know, I've been reading your your material for for many years, and uh, your emails are always very helpful. As you know, you. you know, all of us get a barrage of emails once we get involved in these in these battles. You know, we get a barrage mm. of emails every day, and you got to be very selective as to what you you can have time to open. But I always look at yours, and they are always helpful. And thank so you. I want to start off by thanking you for all that. And uh, but a little more history. I mean, you have served in the state of Alabama. You've served the state in various ways from the legal uh, uh, legal advice uh, uh, area. I know you served in the Supreme Court of Alabama as a law clerk to the chief justice and uh, also in the governor's office. Right. As a legal advisor. That's right. uh, That's right. Period period of time. That that was Um, that was quite. Yeah. Quite a while ago. But wonderful memories and great work to be with those offices. I bet. I bet. Well, you know, Alabama is is one of my uh, over the years of my travels with Priests for Life has been one of my most frequent destinations. As you know, the EWTN network is based. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. I go there often, but I've spoken all over the state. And uh, what a what a what a beautiful place of of dedicated patriots and pro-life Christians. And it's beautiful. Um, You founded this judicial action group. I want you uh, after sure. we pray uh, to tell our audience a little bit more about that. And and we'll talk to them uh, during the course of our discussion about how they can be involved in uh, in supporting your uh, your right. efforts. But I thought, Philip, that it would be appropriate to go to Psalm 96 today. Uh, talks about the Lord judging the world with justice. Uh, so it's pertinent wow. to our conversation. Uh, friends, let's go uh, starting in verse seven to this uh, this beautiful scripture and and pray it together. Give to the Lord, you families of nations. Give to the Lord glory and praise. Give the Lord the glory due his name. Bring gifts and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. He has made the world firm, not to be moved. He governs the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and what fills it resound. Let the plains be joyful and all that is in them. Then shall all the trees of the forest exult before the Lord. For he comes, he comes to rule the earth. He shall rule the world with justice and the peoples with 
his constancy. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you are the God who judges justly, the God who rules with equity. And we know, Lord, that among us, some human beings have the privilege of the title of judge. And Lord God, we, we pray today for every judge in America at every level of government that they too, O oh God, would have your heart and your mind to judge justly. Keep them wise, keep them strong. Lord, save them from the temptation uh, to judge according to uh, with the whims of personal opinion and preference or, or pressure. Uh, keep the judges pure, O oh God, and united with you. For those who are not, Lord God, we ask the gift of repentance. And for those who are, the gift of perseverance. And teach us, uh, their fellow citizens, how to be witnesses to them of your justice, how to be encouragers of them to walk O God, in your ways. Bless the work that you give us to do, and may we always do it with the peace and joy that come only from you and that no one can take away from us. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, so Philip, the Judicial Action Group, tell, tell our viewers a little bit about that. Sure. So we've been around for about 16 years, Father Pavone, and um, our mission is judicial renewal. And what we mean by that is the restoration of the judiciary to its proper role of deciding cases rather than legislating from the bench. This, this problem of legislating from the bench has been around for far too long. Um, we're seeing it corrected in various ways. And, and the chief way that we're seeing it corrected right now is with the possible reversal of Roe versus Wade. Um, so that's what we've been doing, Father Pavone, now for about 16 years. And we work a lot on judicial nominations. Um, we we oh, don't yeah. do litigation, but we do judicial nominations and research judges and in particular Supreme Court judges because those are the big ones. So that's what we do. And we love it. Yes, yes. You know, it, it, it is an area where let's think about it this way. I know a lot of people feel they, they feel uh, often powerless in the face of judges. Uh, especially if, you know, they did not elect them. Uh, they're not supposed to lobby them. They can't vote right. them out if they're, you know, judging in the, in the wrong direction. Uh, so, so people feel like, you know, who are these people? And, <laughs> and, and are we really governing ourselves? Um, sure. and, and one of the ways, uh, of course, that citizens can be involved, and you mentioned it here, is... Um, Citizens do have a role, don't they, in the judicial nominations process? Absolutely. Uh, tell us, tell us about that. Sure, sure. So, constitutionally, I think most of your uh, viewers would know this, but I'll review it anyway. But the process for federal judges, and this, there are three different le levels of federal judges. There are district court judges that are the trial courts. Then there's the intermediate appellate courts, which are the circuit courts of appeal. And then you have one United States Supreme Court. The process is the same for all of them. Uh, the president of the United States states nominates the judges, and then the Senate, by a majority vote, has to confirm them to the bench. Once they're confirmed, they serve during good behavior, which typically is a lifetime appointment or, or until they decide to leave the bench. Some judges are impeached. I think there have been 
think about 16, 18 judges impeached in our history, so not a lot. But that's the process. And so because of that, as you mentioned, Father Pavone, the voters do have a role because you vote for a president and you vote for your senators and your senators make that decision on whether to confirm a nominee. And so this judicial nominations and confirmation process is a huge one. And it's one that we need to be engaged in. And of course, when these processes uh, uh, occur, especially for, for the Supreme Court, but but to, for other federal courts as well, uh, it, it often gets into the news cycle. Here's this person who's been nominated. Here's their their history or their past decisions. And and when people are hearing about this, I mean, it is certainly appropriate for them then to communicate with their senators, right, as to whether oh, they would like yeah. whether they would like their senators to oppose. Or, or, or confirm the nominee. Absolutely, absolutely. And it has a massive impact. It really does. When senators hear from their constituents, they do pay attention, especially when, when it comes in volume with numbers of their constituents calling. And so, yes, absolutely. Calling your senators, uh, telling them how you want them to vote on judicial nominations is really important. And, and we help do that. People that want to be involved can get on our email list or they can follow you, Father Pavone, because I know you do it as well. But um, but yes, we want we let people know what's happening with judicial nominations so they can track it and be active. Let's tell them right uh, uh, now in our in the course of our conversation, we'll repeat it, uh, how they can connect with the Judicial Action Group. Sure, sure. If you go to judicialactiongroup.com, then there's a tab there where you can get involved. You can join our email list. You can certainly support us. We're a nonprofit ministry. And then also go to that website to get information. Thank you, Father Pavone. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, on every one of these programs, we give people an action item. And, and, and this is the one for, for today for them to, to connect Thank with you. Judicial Action Group, subscribe to those emails. And friends, don't, don't worry about, oh, I'm going to be getting another, another uh, email because these are really worth reading uh, if that you're concerned in any way about the courts. And then by extension, if you're concerned in any way about America, because, uh, Philip, as you're saying, I mean, this goes to the, to the question of the governance of America. I, I want to make the distinction, you can expand on it, between, you, as you mentioned, these federal judges are put on their uh, on the bench for a lifetime appointment. Now, you contrast that with the, the members of the uh, Congress, the House of Representatives, every two years, they've got to run again uh, to get elected. So it's almost like they're always in election mode. And right. this, of course, speaks to the intent of the founders that well, the, the members of the House, they have to be uh, always in election mode because that constantly reminds them and it reminds us that they're accountable to us. We elect them or we vote them out of office because they're representing us. The judges, on the, on the other hand, at the opposite end of the spectrum, they've got a lifetime appointment precisely reflecting the fact that they're not supposed to be political. They're not That's supposed right. to be subject to the pressures uh, or opinions of the public. It distinguished for us a little bit more. This this is a obviously a crucial distinction between sure. lawmaking, policy making on the one hand, and judging on the no. other. Wonderful question. It goes to the heart of, of what I do and why we do it, Father Pavone. And to make it, uh, to bring it to a textual level, to get right down to the Constitution, because my, my opinion doesn't matter. It's the Constitution that matters. And so the Constitution says, article, there, the first three articles of the Constitution cover the three different branches of government. 
legislative, executive, and judicial. And so Article One, Section 1 of the Constitution, perhaps the most important sentence in the entire Constitution because it comes first, it says, all legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress. All means all. Legislative powers is referring to lawmaking power. Simply put, the the rules that we live by are all made by the legislators or the legislative branch. When you jump over to Article 3 and you say, okay, what is the job of the judiciary? What's their duty? Well, the text of Article 3 says that the duty of judges is to decide cases and controversies. They're not to legislate. They're to decide cases. And they decide cases by looking at the law that's been passed by the legislative branch, determining the facts in a given case, what happened here, applying the law to the facts, and then yielding a result, deciding a winner and a loser in a lawsuit. Father Pavone, I like to say the the real job of the judiciary is to prevent fistfights and gunfights, because without a judiciary, you have disputes being decided by people in other ways. So really in government, that's the job of the judges, but they don't just decide what they want. They have to look at what the legislative branch has told them the law is, and then they just decide then a winner and a loser in a lawsuit. So when they, uh, and I think this is also a a common misunderstanding, when a a court blocks a law, uh, they, they tell us what that actually is. Sure, sure. They can say the law can't be enforced, but they can't wipe it off the books, right? That's correct. Now, this is this is really important, and this is something that some people miss. Some people think that when a court decides a law is unconstitutional, that that equals judicial activism, and that's not true. Um, many times, judges when judges engage in judicial activism, most of the time, it's them saying that a statute violates the Constitution when it really doesn't, but Think about it in terms of hierarchy of laws. Statutes are passed by Congress, but constitutional provisions are passed by the people's elected representatives and their on a, or, or representatives in their states and Congress. It's a much higher threshold to pass a constitutional provision. So the rule is, if you're a judge and you have a statute that applies to a case and a constitutional provision that applies to a case and they cannot be reconciled, they're in conflict. In other words, a judge can't follow the statute and the constitutional provision in a given case. What do they do? Well, they have to follow the constitutional provision because it's higher. It's a higher level of law. Now, that's where you get into the the phrase of a court striking down a statute or declaring it unconstitutional. When that's truly the case, that's we want judges to do that when it's truly the case. The problem is judges have abused that. They've taken it and treated it like a judicial wild card. And anytime they don't like a statute, they just throw down their judicial wild card and say it violates the Constitution when, in fact, it doesn't. And that's judicial activism because they're actually legislating from the bench rather than upholding the Constitution and statutes. Right, right. Well, for those that are just joining us, we're talking with Philip Jaregi of the Judicial Action Group. Go to judicialactiongroup.com. Uh, sign up for the emails and, and, and learn more, brothers and sisters, about our court system, how it works, and about the next question I'm going to ask you, Philip. What's the sure. current health, would you say, of the, the court system around America? 
are wow. we are the judges doing what they are supposed to be doing constitutionally, <laughs> or do we still have this widespread problem of judicial activism? Yeah, we we still have a widespread problem, but um, I would answer the question by taking us to the parable of the prodigal son, Father Pavone, and this is a way that we've been viewing and praying for the court for several years now, but. The, the parable of the prodigal son, just to very quickly summarize it, there, there are two sons in the house of their father. The younger one decides that he wants to ask his father for the inheritance, even though his father's still alive. His father graciously gives it to him, and the son takes off to a far country, and the Bible says he engaged in all sorts of sin and wild living until he ran out of money, ran out of friends, and he didn't have any food to eat, and he was eating with pigs. And uh, he decided, the Bible says, or Jesus tells this story, and he says this, this son, finally, when he came to his senses, he said, I will go back to my father's house. And he did, and it was a journey. He repented of his sin and came home. When he did, the father welcomed him home. The older brother was still mad about what had happened, and the older brother was actually right that it was wrong what had happened, but he didn't have the right heart at that moment to welcome his brother back like his father did. So... As we prayed for the court, this, this, is a, this is a body that is like the prodigal son in that they had a wonderful position in our government. Um, putting on a robe, being a judge is a wonderful job. Deciding cases is a beautiful calling, but they wanted more. They wanted legislative power. And so they departed, went to a far country, and in, in engaging in judicial activism, we see the sins they committed, abortion, Roe versus Wade. Um, breaching our national relationship with God, and then you get into changing sexual definitions that they have no business doing with marriage and everything else down the line. Um, but as we pray for them, Father Pavone, you asked the question, what is, what is the state of health? I do believe the court, if you follow this prodigal son parable analogy, I would say the court is on its way home. Now, in the parable, the, the, the prodigal son was in a far country. He was not on the other side of the hill. It was not a 10-second journey back home. And so as we pray for the court, um, don't expect their journey home to be perfect. They may take two steps forward, one back. They may issue a, a disappointing decision. But I do believe they're working their way back to the father's house, Father Pavone. And I believe judicial renewal is occurring. They're on their way back. And, and we see that with even this draft opinion that was released in the Dobbs case, reversing Roe versus Wade. It's one of the most incredible opinions I've ever seen in terms of integrity, constitutional principles. So I'm very excited, Father Pabone. But again, we, we have to be careful. Don't let when we see something that the court doesn't do that's right. Don't let that discourage us. If they make a mistake, it doesn't mean they're a mistake. And we're praying that they'll come back to the father's house. Well, I share your your view of this draft opinion. I mean, it is really stellar. Uh, it, it it's so good, and it just shows in such a powerful way how Roe v. Wade and this so-called right to abortion is completely untethered from the Constitution. Uh, yes. Not only is it not in the text of the Constitution, it's nowhere in the history of of how our nation has lived out the Constitution. Yeah. So, I mean, it it, it if it, if anything like it becomes the final official opinion in Dobbs, we have won a, a, a major victory. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just to win the case would have been a positive. But as you remember, Father Pavone, when the case first went to the court, Mississippi was not asking the court to reverse Roe. 
But right. in dependency of the case going, they made that argument. And, right. and now it looks like the court's going to do that. And so it looks it looks like not just a victory in the case, but a reversal of Roe. And not just a mild reversal of Roe, but a complete destruction of all of the, the wicked principles in that case, but also the constitutional lies, just destroying it. And, uh, you know, Justice Alito sometimes gets missed because you have Justice Thomas, the lion, the older member of the court, and then the new right. ones that we know about. But Justice Alito is amazing. And, and I'm not surprised that he's the one that seems to be, well, he wrote the draft, no question about it, but hopefully he'll, he'll be the final author of this opinion and it'll come out soon, we hope. Yes, he you know he really is a, he really is amazing. Uh, you know, as you know, and it came up in the oral arguments in Dobbs, and and has come up in public commentary. Uh, those on the other side uh, are saying, "Oh, well, you know, we can't reverse Roe now because then people, the American people, are going to uh, Sotomayor called it a stench. The American people are going to look at the court just as a political uh, a, a political uh, entity." And Philip, isn't exactly the opposite the case? Because in making this major correction and saying, listen, we really, we were really wrong in the past because there's nothing in the Constitution about abortion. I, I mean, they're doing just the opposite. It's, it's Roe itself that poisons the court and makes it look political. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was interesting in the oral arguments of the Dobbs case, Father Pavone, Justice Stephen Breyer said, you know, this whole question, the, he said the American people decided this abortion issue when we issued our opinion in Roe in Casey. And I thought, how wrong and arrogant can you get? You know, right. several judges on the court who aren't elected decided it, but that was never the American people speaking on it. And so a lot of people have to realize, you know, if Roe is reversed, what, what Justice Kavanaugh said during oral arguments a number of times, Father Pavone, is he said, shouldn't we be... Um, Shouldn't we have scrupulous neutrality on abortion in terms of the court? In other words, he was saying we're not pro-life, we're not pro-abortion. We're just saying the word abortion is not in the Constitution. So why would we act like it is? Why would we write it into the Constitution? Now, the only way I disagree a little bit with Justice Kavanaugh is while the word abortion is not in the Constitution, the word life is. And that's an yeah. issue that will probably come up in future cases. That'll have to be a phase two. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what um, can citizens do? I mean, obviously, we're urging them to be in contact sure. with your organization, a judicial action group. But what as they're seeing all this unfold, uh, hoping for a good decision from the court uh, and, and, and concerned about judicial activism, give us some some additional to do items. Sure. I think for, for people to be informed is one thing so that they can speak to their neighbors and speak to other people and to be able to say a very simple statement of fact, to be able to say to people, abortion is not in the constitution. And I, and I've said this before somewhat jokingly, but you know, I'll give anyone a billion dollars. If you can show me in the constitution, the word abortion, it's not there. And so it just changes the conversation. Okay, what are we really talking about here? Abortion is not in the Constitution. And, and that's how we win the argument legally. Um, culturally, and as the church, I think for people to really start being active locally with, with um, crisis pregnancy centers, with pro-life ministries, but then also in learning about things like the safe haven laws, 
Um, this is going to be, I think, a wonderful ministry opportunity for us in the years ahead if Roe is reversed, because it'll be things will be dealt with locally and in states. And one of the things that we can do or have, have things like safe haven laws and promote those, promote awareness so that lives are saved and the parents' lives are really prevented from going through a ton of grief. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so uh, this is going to be now uh, an opportunity to uh, prayerfully await this decision, uh, quickly digest it when it comes out. Uh, and then I think you and I are going to be pretty busy uh, explaining it to people together with a lot of our colleagues That's right. uh, for, uh, for months to come after that and, uh, and applying it. Uh, what do you think the reaction is going to be? I mean, we've, we've seen the reaction to the the leaked uh, draft opinion, right. and of course, you know, I think a lot of this is, you know, it's 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 pressure tactics. They're hoping one of the justices will change his or her mind, which I I mentioned in your opinion. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I do not I agree. think in any way that any of them are going to give in to this kind of pressure. But I think I I think what, once the decision does come out, then of course there'll be another wave of reaction, won't there? Sure, sure, there will. And, um, you know, one thing I've seen, Father Pavone, the way this has gone down, the intimidation, you know, people that try to intimidate, and that's what the left has tried to do, they either win or they lose. But if, if they win by intimidating people, they get what they want. But if they don't win, they lose their power. And it's kind of like when fear presents itself and we, we refuse to give into it and we act in faith, the fear sort of deflates. And I'm, I have been what what has been brought against these justices, these five justices is horrible. But I do think the Lord is using it to refine them and to show them the true nature of the opposition of the left and how truly evil they are. Um, I'll, I'll give an example. When Chief, when, uh, pardon me, Justice Clarence Thomas went through his confirmation hearings many years ago, he made this statement. He said, the man that went into those hearings is dead. And there's a new man now. The point that he was making was, I'm a different man. The Lord, he didn't say the word refined, but I think that's what he was describing. God really refined him through that process. And because of it, I think Clarence Thomas is, is one of our best justices, if not our best justice. But what the, these five justices are going through right now, my prayer is that the Lord will use it to really refine them and show them the nature of the opposition, that even the president won't stand up for these these wicked marches in front of their homes to designed to intimidate them that are illegal. So I, I think they're gonna they're gonna be better justices because of what's happened through this process. And I, and I hate it. I don't want to say I'm not. I wish it weren't happening. But because it's happening, the left has overreached. They've tried to intimidate. They're losing, and it's going to backfire against them. I, I think that's a perfect uh, segue into prayer that 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 we pray f that they will be refined and strengthened. I understand. I, I heard one of your commentaries just before coming on this interview that uh, the latest word is they are standing firm. Isn't that right? There was. Yeah. It's it's funny that we even know these things, Father Pavone. This is the second leak we've had from the court. There was one back on May second, and then one this Tuesday, but. Word continues to leak out what's happening. And the latest leak is that the five are still holding strong, that yeah. um, the, the three dissenters have not even written opinions. And so, um, yeah, so it's good news. But I, I wish these leaks weren't coming out. It's 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 wrong. 
It, it is. It is. Exactly. So, uh, well, let's pray then. Um, would you like to to uh, lead a little prayer, Philip? I would love to. These justices would... will, in this moment, uh, have that refining mm -hmm. that the Lord uh, is willing for them. Absolutely. Thank you. Father, we love you. And um, we're so thankful that um, in times like these, that you're, you don't move. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we take great, great comfort in that, Father. We pray for the justices, and, and Jesus taught us to pray. He said, pray for your enemies. And so uh, whether some of these justices are enemies or not, we pray for all of them. We, we pray that you'd bless them, Father. We don't pray that you'd bless anything that they put their hand to. If they're putting their hand to something evil, we pray that it would not be blessed. But nevertheless, we pray for them that they would come to know you, Lord, that you would grant them the grace of repentance. And we pray especially for these five justices who have been under fire from the left over the last two weeks. We pray for their families. We pray that you comfort them, Lord. And we pray that in this season, that they would be closer to you than they've ever been. That like with Joseph in the Bible, he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good in order to bring about this present result and to save lives. We pray for the justices, Lord, that what the enemy means for evil, you'd use it for good and that you would save millions and tens of millions of lives and babies and that you'd save this nation, Father. Grant us renewal and revival in the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Philip. And brothers and sisters, let's say now the Lord's Prayer as we conclude uh, our uh, conversation today. Our Father, Our Father. who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Philip Jeregi, thank you so much. Judicial It's an honor. Uh, com. Friends, connect with Philip and his team. Uh, we look forward, Philip, to talking with you again as this thank story you. unfolds. And uh, thanks for all the great work. It's a great honor to be with you. Thank you, sir. And friends, stay connected with this program. Spread the word. Stay connected with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone and with Right Side Broadcasting, of course, at RSB Network. And uh, all the best to you and your families. We will talk to you soon. I think we have Richard Lee, we have uh, Jim Garlow, and we have Father Frank Pavone. Someplace there in the audience. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.